Hello, friends. Welcome to the Feed Learning People podcast, a podcast where our fellow humans share their vulnerable moments and how they navigated sticky situations throughout their careers. We've all been there, so let's learn from each other. My name is Jesse, and today I'm here with her brother, Dow. <laughs> So some of you may know one of my four brothers, Engdao. He's known to be a very quirky and fun guy who usually does things unconventionally. In this episode, be ready to tap into a wide range of emotions as we talk about his bohemian lifestyle, how he better understands others and builds empathy using nonviolent communications, and we even open up about depression and self-acceptance. Hope you enjoy this episode and check out feedlearning.com slash podcast for the show notes. Oh. And warning, there's a bit of F-bombs in this episode, so try not to listen while the kids are around. And now, let's go ahead and get straight to it. Thank you for doing this podcast with me. I am super excited. My goal is to be helpful, be authentic, and talk, <laughs> but maybe not talk too much. If you uh, let me know if I'm talking too much, you can yeah. interrupt. Uh, I won't uh, be yeah, offended. Yeah, you, you tend to talk a lot. I think I'll be editing a lot of this. <laughs> So first challenge, first challenge of keeping it short and simple. Can you scan your resume in 60 seconds or less, starting when you went to the University of Texas? Yeah, my resume isn't on a piece of paper. It's a story. After UT, I got kicked out. Couldn't be there anymore. I decided, what the fuck am I going to do? I didn't know what to do. So I tried to run away from my life. I jumped into a car went to Houston, lived out of my car, went over back to my brothers from there in Denton. It's just a scramble. I can't even remember, but just between five or six different cities, figure out what to do with my life. Did a, a unlicensed massage, did a, sold fried rice out of my friend's kitchen. I uh, was a blow up cell phone. I know this is six by 60 seconds. Uh, led up to here, I started uh, living my sister, Jessica in Houston. And then she left because she had a, oh, some flame up in New York. And then so I uh, and my brother had to figure out how to pay rent. So we started renting the room. So currently I rent rooms on Airbnb to make a living as I try to figure out my next step. Thank you. Wow. Okay. We're getting really personal, huh? Tell me your personal yeah. stories. So yeah, I, I remember you moved from different cities, uh, different states. Didn't you live in like Seattle, Portland, San Francisco? Portland, San Francisco, Berkeley. Yeah. Denver, Coral Gables and Florida and uh, Las Vegas. And while you were living in the different cities, how were you making money? Were you getting a full-time job somewhere or were you doing like your... I didn't know it was unlicensed um, massage therapist. Yes. So uh, back when Craigslist was the wild, wild west, you could just like post, hey, I'm a painter. Let me paint your house. I'm a lawnmower. And um, there was no one really checking about who was licensed and who wasn't. I decided, well, the worst thing that can happen is I get carted off to jail for giving illegal massages. but. I got really good at that and uh, it was really a skill that I learned that was manual, that was definitely off the beaten track. I didn't go to college or any school for that, but um, man, uh -huh. I gave my dad a ton of back rubs, my mom a ton of leg calf massages when I was growing up and I worked with my hands as a carpenter's son, so I could figure it out. Come on, what, the, what is massages? Just a bunch of squeezing. <laughs> anyone can <laughs> squeeze. Come on. <laughs> It just took a little daring person to combine the ability to squeeze 
with a little bit of graphic design, communication, web design, had my own website, like, you know, and then I made it work. So you're the first guest, and maybe the only guest, and this can be a, a congratulations to you, who does not have like a college degree and full-time job and stability, and, and you're a very a more free-spirited type of person. You have this like bohemian lifestyle, I guess you can say, right? Why did you decide to live a more free-spirited lifestyle versus having a full-time career? We are, at least I like to believe all, at one point in our lives, bohemian or children at heart, and we had a desire to go play and explore and to do our life's calling and just just to have a good time. And the word uh, career for me never really connected because career had this connotation, at least for me, as people going to jobs I didn't really understand and to big tall buildings I never really connected to and did like mysterious jobs that I don't know exactly what they are. And it's just so for me, the, the unknown, because I, I didn't grow up with that, so I didn't know what that would look like. Um, perhaps the fear of a death sentence inside a cubicle didn't really connect with me. Um, mostly it was out of a fear of responsibility. I didn't want to grow up. I don't know if I ever want to grow up. And I want to be living the most authentic life I can to where I am currently in my life. And I'm just a big kid. Okay. Some people will find that as, oh, he's just lazy or he's just, he doesn't know what to do or he's not disciplined or he's lost or he, he's irresponsible. Does that describe you? Sure. Yeah, in some ways. Well, first of all, when I hear that judgment, I connect that more as... I not, didn't mean to judge you. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. It, but it, it can come across as judgment. I, I didn't hear uh -huh. it. Or at least I try not to. Sometimes, yeah, I do feel that way. And the truth, I don't know the truth. A lot, maybe a lot of people always feel like they're behind compared to other people. On my bad days, I do. Because I, I hear yeah. it's more of a judgment that I'm making of myself. Because I, I can hear uh -huh. those voices. It's like maybe similar to a guy maybe on the street holding a sign, right? Yeah. Like some people might yeah. judge that as lazy or not disciplined. Um, I hear that more when someone makes that thought. It's less about me. It's just more about them, about how they see the world. Like, oh, everyone must get a job. Everyone must live a certain way and maybe go into a track where you're always progressing forward. And my life has been in some ways a progression forward, but it also has been a few side steps and back steps. And, but it's like a dance. It's a beautiful uh, progression, the back and the forward, the back and the forward. Okay. I'd like to think that I also hear that maybe I'm exactly where I'm meant to be right now and whatever comes next for me uh, will be up next for me. But my job, my career in life is to live in gratitude every day. And if I can live within that state, I feel I'm, I'm more fulfilled than a lot of people with careers, you mm -hmm. know. Um, okay. So my career is really about how to live a life that's authentic to me as possible and in a space where I can be grateful. And if I can continue yeah. to do that every day, I feel I'm living a great career. You went to University of Texas. What was your major going into college? I was accepted in the School of Business. I always say that with a little pride. It was hard to get into, but I <laughs> somehow I finagled them to paying for me to go to school there. Thank you to my older sister who gave me all of her tests from the previous year. I aced every single <laughs> test in my senior year, graduating fourth in my class. Applause. 
So you did well in school with your older sister's help. <laughs> you went to the University of Texas in Austin. Um, you never graduated. Why did you not graduate? Well, I stopped going to classes, and then the business school gave me a letter that said, "Hey, you're being ejected or expelled for not attending classes." So. I didn't graduate one because they kicked me out, but more importantly, the the whole reason they kicked me out because my heart wasn't in it. I was half going to classes because I could give a shit about what I was learning. It didn't relate、uh-huh. to anything that could concretely see the effect in my immediate future, and I was there for reasons that related more to my need for acceptance from my parents and less so for an excitement of where I wanted to go. And、um, that's something I definitely learned that I try best to live authentically because it doesn't help anybody in the end if you're being a version、mm. of yourself that you think others want to be. Had you found a major that you were more interested in? Do you think you would have finished college? It was partly because I didn't find something I was really interested in. Although I took a few theater classes and I believe Spanish, I really connected to both of those. Maybe because there were languages or more things I could connect to, but I think primarily it was because I was in a very depressed state, and by depressed I mean I was choosing to focus on on a lot of things that kept me not present with the university experience. I do want to talk about that depressed state later as well. I'm taking notes as we go along. I really so I want to go into that one.、Questions. So please okay. do. Okay. Okay.、Um, Considering that you didn't graduate college, you don't have that full time job like you know the rest of your siblings do, or、um, or maybe your colleagues growing up did. Do you feel a little bit of like envy or jealousy towards me or like other people? Yes and and no. I don't know if I still do. Maybe I, I do in some regards because I see that you guys have more money, probably、uh, more. What else would you might have more of? Um, I, that was the only thing I could think of because <laughs> on the other side, I can see you have a more of a lot of responsibility, probably more a lot of like people at the office, like with gossip. Like I don't want that. I love the way I live. Like yes,、ah, okay. there's some pros and cons, and、uh, the theme of the, today's talk might just be about self acceptance because in the end, it's not about. How other people are viewing me? It's really about、yeah. can I see my life and how I live? Is it meeting my needs to the best of my ability with the current tools I have? I、yeah. think so. And is that enough? Maybe not enough for somebody else, but is that enough for me? I think so. I live a pretty happy、okay. life. Like I'm really enjoying myself. This leads me to the next question, then, Engdal. How do you define success? Yeah, great question.、Um, yesterday, I went on a bike ride to Maynard, Texas, a small little cow town, probably about fifteen miles outside of Austin. And bike ride for me is a beautiful illustration of how I try myself to live my life. One, I have a destination. I want to get to Maynard. I heard it's beautiful. There's cows and mustangs running around. I want to go there. But in the process of me biking there. I also try to take a moment to look around as I'm getting there. Oh, look at this creek! Wow, I just crossed it. It's beautiful. Wow, I had no idea that next to the, to the highway there's this giant bike path I can bike for ten miles. And I'm looking around. I'm checking to,、uh, of course, make sure I don't get hit by cars.、So、I think about safety, but also I'm thinking about the gratitude I feel as I'm getting to Maynard. So it's not just about getting to somewhere for me. 
it's also about how can I, as much as possible, enjoy. Of course, it's very cliche, uh, but but it's cliche. I think for a reason is that if you're not enjoying the ride to get into where you want to go, you probably won't get there. Or if you do, you probably won't want to go to the next place in this vehicle or this path that you're going on because it was such. Uh, at least for me, if it's such a drag and you're, I can do that for a limited amount of time, but if it's the majority of the way, it's really not for me. So success、okay. for me is getting there, but also finding a way to get there that's fun, playful, and provides a lot of connection and all the other beautiful needs that I have. It, it sounds like similar to our cousin Twee on episode two. She she shared a quote about it's not about the destination, but it's about the journey. Is that what you're talking about? Damn you, Twee, for stealing my motto. <laughs> I listened to your episode. Now that Jessica brought it up, yes, I do remember her saying that. You suck. <laughs> Love you, cuz. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so that's how you define success: about that that journey, the experience, having that、yeah. playful experience. So, Angel, what are you really, really, really good at? Because I've tried to live my life as authentically as possible, I'm really good at staying connected to as much as possible my sense of purpose.、Uh, I may wander off, but I think I'm really good at pausing to take a moment and to connect either with myself or with other people. So let me ask you another question: That when it comes to solving problems, disagreements. What is your thought process or approach? How do you generally resolve disagreements?、Uh, let's take an example to illustrate. I saw、uh, two homeless guys sitting on a bench. Then they he asked, "Do I have some Advil or something?" I said, "No." I said, "But、uh, I'm walking to the dollar store. If you want it, I can get it for you. No big deal." Not because I'm a great guy. I think more because、uh, I was trying to figure out what is it that I needed. I wanted to feel like I was contributing because、um, we're going through a tough time right now.、Um, Uh, we walk there. Here's the conflict. The conflict comes when、um, we're checking out, and、uh, one of the other guys steals like some beef jerky and is about to walk out the store. The lady goes, "Hey, you asshole! You need to pay for that. Go get a job." And so、uh, the one guy that was stealing, he had he's like from mental asylum, so he couldn't really. He didn't, you know, wasn't even there. But the other guy got really pissed off because he felt like that was a judgment of him as a person, like he's a bum and he can't get a job.、Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so he、uh, yelled at the lady, said "fucking bitch." So that was conflict. And so in the moment, I'm like, "What the fuck?" This feels like really familiar.、Uh, I don't like conflict. I don't like people fighting. This is scary. I'm getting the heck out of here. So I I try to break the fight and pull the homeless guy out of the store just to deescalate.、Uh-huh. But to answer your question, when there's conflict, what is my usual protocol? Right.、Uh-huh. I would say avoidance is my go-to strategy. That's you, that's、mm-hmm. that's my natural state, my modus operandi. Because why? I think I avoid because you know a, a big part of how we are as people. I think has a lot to do with how. Our parents、uh, infuse their knowledge or their values, and also, more、mm-hmm. importantly, how I interpreted how they express their values. So, my、yeah. parents express their maybe needs to be heard or seen very loudly. And you know, Vietnamese people when they argue or just have regular conversations, it sounds like they're having a heated argument. Now my parents were、yeah. actually having a heated argument, so that would escalate ten more decibels, right? 
Um, and I'm not sharing anything that's not uncommon. All parents fight, right? And I just didn't want to do that. I never saw the point. Like, you're trying to get a, a need met and you're trying to get a need met, but your strategy of yelling and talking and screaming isn't getting things done. And instead of when, you know, my 10 year old brain at the time, instead of saying, oh, there could be a way where we could both feel heard, but also feel safe. My 10 year old brain just went, let's just get safe. Let's get the F out of here and get safe because that's my most important priority. And often as a kid, I might like run outside the house, hide behind the boat because I just didn't want to be around that noise space. Or for example, the moment after high school, what's the furthest college I could go to? Oh, Austin, because it's away from Dallas. Yeah, let's get out of here. A lot of it had to do with just getting to feeling safe. And one of my primary strategies, ways of feeling safe is just to get out of town. Um, so why do I avoid? Or, or used to avoid, I'm trying better and better every day to turn into the fear and turn into the conflict because that's often not the only way, but I don't know, it seems like, I, I know for sure often avoiding doesn't get my needs met uh, in other areas. You can feel safer, mm -hmm. but often at the cost for resolution with a person, at the cost of connection, at the cost of joy. I don't know if I can have great relationships with people I avoid, but I could probably have better relationships. Okay. Is that worth it? Sometimes, sometimes not. So fast forward to recently when you, you know, brought that homeless guy out. Yes. Going to, um, uh, I guess going back to the, the original question of when you encounter conflicts or disagreements, how do you resolve it? You said initially you used to avoid. Now, now what do you do? Um, so what I did was I first checked in for myself first. For me, that's the first step, checking in with how I'm feeling. Uh, so some self-compassion and then making sure that I felt safe. And then once I had that need met, then I can meet and be more open to understanding what is it that this other person was, is needing. So once I checked in, I felt safe. Then I would connect to the uh, homeless guy, why he felt a need to yell and start a fight with this woman. And so I was trying to connect with him, uh, try to understand his viewpoint. And I think my understanding in that instance was maybe he felt disrespected, felt ashamed, uh, angry that this woman made this judgment of this other guy and by proxy made a judgment of him. So he felt a need to express his anger and to be heard like, hey, you be. Don't say that. Not everyone can get a job during this time. It's not that easy. And I was mm -hmm. feeling, oh, this guy probably wants more understanding from this woman. That at least and she would, could, un could understand that living on the streets is difficult. Getting a job isn't that simple when you're on the street. You know, you're more worried about having a house or not having a phone. Like all these different challenges. And she he wanted just some more understanding from her. Um, and so when I connected to that, then I could connect to him by asking him, mm -hmm. hey, did you, did you feel like she like made, was judging you, you wanted more understanding from her? And by yeah. me connecting first what I need, I think from there I can start connecting what the other person needs. And then I can have a conversation. And I think in that conversation, we can better understand each other. And then, so, so the story for me illustrates that one, first, de-escalate, get to a place where you feel safe first. 
And then from there, um, and maybe it's not safety that you're needing, whatever needs that you're needing, take a moment to step away and connect first. That's step one. Step two, um, seek to understand the other person. So what is this other person feeling right now? What might they be needing that isn't met in the conflict? So number one, I connect myself. And number two, I try to understand the other person. And then from there, we can have a conversation. What about when it deals with complainers? So have you ever hung out with people who just complain so much? Yeah. How do you deal with them? Because I've asked previous guests and no one, including myself, really had a good way of dealing yeah. with complainers. Except yeah, that's for such a good one. either avoid them. Uh, had an ex-girlfriend, loved to complain uh, about her job. Almost every single day coming home, complain. I because I don't work a job, I can't connect you. It drove me fucking insane. Oh, wow. The F word had to come out because I was that passionate. When someone complains, what is it that they're needing? Try to understand with them. It's a way for them to meet a need. Often when we behave in ways that people judge as like negative, we don't do that just because we want to be annoying. We complain because we are trying to meet a human need. So connect to that. When someone complains, I think it's often... I need for support. Hey, I need support okay. here. I hate my job and uh, or empathy. I just need someone. I just need to vent. I need someone to express this like angst I have about this job. So when you can connect to that more, I feel then you can ask yourself, uh, do I want to provide that empathy, that uh, listening to this person? Because I really think that's what they're wanting is just someone to... Mm-hmm. Say, man, I, I hear you. Your coworkers are kind of lame and your boss is a dick. And it must be really tough being at work. And for me, I guess one of the most obvious and common challenges guys have is that we, when we hear complaints, we think, oh, now I need to solve this. I need to get her a new job. I, I need to start working more so she doesn't have to work. Like we, are, we feel like we are taking on this responsibility when often that person just needs someone to hear them out. And often complainers are people who don't have that person in their life. So they complain because it's their method of trying to feel heard and to be seen. And they just don't realize that there's a cost to that strategy. Like it pushes people Mm -hmm. away. But underneath that is just a deep, desperate desire to feel heard and to be understood. So are you saying that if you just hear them, show that empathy... Um, kind of identify what needs that they need and try to meet their needs that they will complain less? Yes and no. Um, it is up to you as a person to decide if you want to help meet that need for them. If they're constantly complaining and you really need that space and that peace, you're not in a place to meet that need, don't. Uh, mm-hmm. I never encourage people to do something out of like obligation or a like a sacrificial mm-hmm. place. Um, I think there are times and places, particularly now that you're a parent, you probably understand this, like sacrifice is just something that you feel you have to do. But I think we're, we all have ultimately a choice. You don't have to feed your baby. You feed her because you want to keep her alive. <laughs> But, but, yeah. No, no, no. You don't have to, quote, quote. You can kill your baby, but you value her life more than uh, maybe your value for sleep or whatever. And so you choose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Ultimately, you still choose that. 
Uh, what I'm saying for the complainer is that you, you choose if you want to engage in this person. A lot of times complainers lose friends for that very purpose because they're trying to yeah. get their needs met maybe on this person. So they themselves need to realize that it's their need and they have a responsibility to feel heard. Um, so you're saying only engage if you have the capacity to engage? Yeah, in the moment. Like for, for me... I have uh, friends who like to complain and I don't talk to them very often. I get that. But every now and then I'll be in the mood to want to practice empathy. Like okay. I think empathy is like a muscle. It's a beautiful muscle to practice. You'll need the ability to understand people in every relationship you have. And I rarely ever use the word every. When I'm in a mood to want to keep that stronger and I, I try to exercise that muscle as often as possible. But um, if you can get that strong and see that as frame, uh, frame the experience of someone else complaining as a yeah. empathy endurance exercise, um, it can help you because it meets your need for growth if you want to grow in that way. But usually mm -hmm. when someone is a complaining person, it's because they have, a, again, desperate need, need to be heard. Um, and you can provide that for them if, if your need happens to be for growth and you want to be a better listener. You can frame it okay. as that. Hi, everyone. So I just wanted to take a quick break to tell you a little bit more about Feed Learning. Feed Learning is an HR and talent consulting firm that helps build sustainable teams through interactive and virtual training courses, one-on-one -on -one coaching for managers, and HR process improvement strategies. And of course, we can do everything virtually and remote, especially during these times. We also have a bunch of free online resources to help you throughout your career. So check us out on feedlearning.com or follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram. Now back to the show with my brother. We've been talking a lot about empathy. You talked about needs, being heard, listening to others. You, you're very in tune and touch with human emotions. And every time I talk to you, and literally every time I talk to you, at the end of our conversation, when we hang up, I always feel better. Like I felt heard, I felt safe. I did not feel judged at all. And that's hard to find uh, people who you can talk to whom you don't feel judged. And that feels good when you don't feel judged, when you just you know spill whatever you want to say. Um, so you're, you're in a way a therapist to me. How do you do it? What's your secret on providing empathy on talking to people and not judging them? Because it's, it's hard for me to not judge people at times or use labeling words. Go to your library or Amazon, check out the book, Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. A hundred people will listen to this, maybe thousands, millions, who knows? <laughs> this is the People Podcast. I wish, I wish. But. Even if I reached one person and they checked out a book, it'd be worth it. Um, I give tons of credit to that book. Um, it helped me uh, to learn the basic foundations of how to resolve conflict. More importantly, it wasn't about the reading. I've been hosting for a year and a half now uh, weekly empathy circles, which are basically people getting together, sharing whatever shit they're experiencing in their week, and then we practice. We practice listening. And just through repetition and doing that regularly, I have been able to increase my ability to empathize. Now, I also believe at some point, in some level, I, I'm naturally empathic, uh, but that's not to say that it's not a learnable skill. 
in a nutshell, what is NVC? What is nonviolent communication? Because the first time I heard of it, I was picturing nonviolent protesters yes. and what, what not. Yeah, what what exactly. is NVC? Basically, NVC um, is, let's say, a language. Uh, you learn Spanish. You, you say you learn Chinese. Empathy is the language of understanding yourself and other people. What are the steps? To break it down very quickly, step one, understand yourself. Step two, understand the other person. And then step three, make a clear request from the other person. What is it that they can do to help meet your need? Let's give an example. Jessica used to call me randomly when she was in her 20s and asked me, oh, can you help map uh, Houston Library? I, I can't find it. This is before you had apps on your phone. And I was like, you only call when you need directions. And back in that time, I just avoided, never told her. This is the first time she's hearing this because I was a conflict avoider. Now, if that would happen today, I would first connect to myself. What am I needing? I need some respect. I'm needing some consideration. I'm needing more of a connection with her so I, you know, that we can, she can, can, can make that request of me. Um, so I connect with what I need. What is she needing? She needs some support. She needs uh, uh, maybe uh, effectiveness. The quickest way to get an answer is to call someone. And I think that will pick up. He always picks up. Uh, or maybe she just wants to connect and she didn't know how to back then. So the only time that she felt to connect to someone was to I just wanted directions. Them. I didn't need anything else. Yeah, I so just maybe, wanted freaking directions. Maybe she just wanted directions. <laughs> now that I know that formula, I can go, okay, well, I want to make that request of Jessica to call me, you know, just randomly and ask how my day is or just want to talk to me, have a question about her life that's interesting and personal I can connect with. If that's my request... I can't just go out and say, Jessica, stop fucking calling me and just call me whenever you need directions. You need to call me when you just want to talk and like connect and have a conversation, okay? Now, if I just told her that request right off the bat, she will more than likely feel judged and be like, oh shit, really? Do I only call when I need directions? Does he think I'm a terrible sister? Like, But if I first connected to her and said, hey, Jesse, are you needing this address because maybe you don't have anyone else to call right now or you don't want to go home drive 40 minutes to get to your computer just to look up an address and it's easier just to call me she, she'll probably be like wow well, duh why else would i be calling mm -hmm. and then at least now that you feel heard i can say hey jessica hey i, I know that you're wanting directions but it seems like you've been calling whenever you just need directions um could you please call me more often so I would feel like we have a, at least a relationship. So whenever you do call, okay, that's for directions. Because that's my need. I have a need for a connection mm -hmm. or maybe respect or a little, little closer of a relationship before someone just makes a request to me. That's my need. Like Because for me, I don't just call people if I need something. Being able to successfully use the MVC model, it seems like you have to have some high level of emotional intelligence yes. and be able to mm -hmm. identify the other person's feelings like yes. how uh, how do you do that yes it is a high level skill but anything is a high level skill tying your shoelaces was a high level skill 
walking was a、mm. high level skill, but you learn it by doing. And so that's why、okay. I meet every week to, to practice. And basically, what we do is you can Google NBC needs list, and the first thing will pop up.、Uh, my friend created these needs and feelings cards, like a deck of cards that you can keep with you on your purse or on your person,、uh-huh. that can help、yeah. you help identify different feelings. Because often we have four or five freaking needs that we are very. Attached to that we know, I、yeah. get depressed, I get I get happy, I feel angry. Like it's not a lot, you know, that that、yeah. we're used to. But there are other people may have different needs and feelings、um, that you're not common with. So it's good to kind of learn the language and have more、yeah. vocabulary, emotional vocabulary. So when you're having a conversation with someone or a conflict, you can understand more of what they're feeling and needing because you have a A broader vocabulary of、uh, emotions, so it just comes from practice. Okay, so you gotta build that emotional vocabulary. Yes. And, and you said、yeah. you you can build your skill of identifying other people's feelings and your own feelings just by practice. Just just do it more. I would take the word just out because whenever I hear just, it minimizes the practice.、Okay. It is hard for me. It's like a workout every week I go. Sometimes I don't want to go there, but it's like a when I go to the gym after. I never feel bad after I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Whenever、nice. I exercise, I feel good after. But it's not necessarily something I want to do all the time. But with、yeah. the knowledge, knowing that at the end, I usually will feel like a sense of growth. When there's a conflict, and when someone is coming up to me and sharing me a problem that they have, I tend to just jump to solution. I'm like a very action-oriented person. There's a problem. Here are the options. Choose the best one. Boom. Follow that solution. Okay, next problem, and I'm、mm-hmm. just like boom, boom, boom. That's、Correct. how I am,、mm-hmm. for the most part. And if I empathize with someone, I, I used to. I'm getting better at this. I used to just be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. And that's all I say. That's like the extent of the empathy that I give. I don't really like connect with their feelings.、Mm. I just say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that.、Right. Are you okay? And、mm-hmm. that's it, right? How do you refrain yourself from giving that action? Well. NBC is also a meditation. When you sit down and try to focus on your breath, breathe one, two, three, four, and then your brain goes to uh, uh, this cat walked across the street and peed on my lawn, whatever, and then you bring it back. NBC is also meditation. When you are making a quick judgment, oh, that homeless guy, gross, stay away, and you make that awareness, oh, I am straying away from my center core of compassion and gratitude. Okay, bring it back in. So it's a constant bringing back of who you want to be as a person. So it's a meditation when you're having a conflict with someone and your brain goes straight to、uh, solution. I connect with、mm-hmm. that as you're wanting to be effective. You want to get straight to to really help this person and solve their problem. So maybe it's trying to meet your need for effectiveness, and maybe also self-expression. You want to ex- just express yourself. You want to contribute、mm-hmm. also, right? I would argue that you can contribute best to people when you first understand where they're coming from, because sometimes maybe your advice may work for you, but it misses the mark for them because you are giving advice according to what you're needing and might be feeling、mm-hmm. in the moment, and not what they、sense. are needing and feeling. So when you give that advice, it's it's、um, autobiographical. So if you、uh-huh. first connect to their needs, you actually get your need met better because. What was the point?、Okay. You wanted to be effective and contribute, and if you really, really, genuinely wanted to be effective with people, 
I find it that you can do that better if you first connect and understand truly what they are needing because they might be needing something different than you. How how would you say it? So like, do you just say, oh, I hear that you, well, it's to me, it seems like you need X, Y, Z or like, I want the script. The script is uh, when you're empathizing with other people, okay? You ask, okay. Uh, you ask it, first you frame it as a question. If you make the assumption, you're angry, huh? Uh, sometimes people might hear that as a judgment or they might yeah. brace from that because they don't want to be seen as someone's angry. You, you ask it, you frame it as a question. Are, are you angry? Or I wonder if you're angry. So you connect to the feeling first. So are you feeling X? Yeah. Are you feeling X because you're needing Y? I'm going to say this sentence and it's going to feel foreign because it's not how we mm -hmm. usually talk. So I will give okay. you the formula, like a basically elementary formula, and then I will give uh -huh. you the Dallas certified street talk formula. Uh, okay. That, that might, like maybe talk. like a regular person might connect it better. So are you feeling X because you need Y? Um, give me an example, please. Uh, okay, how about this? And now, can you keep your answers a bit shorter? Uh, Ava's going to wake up any time now, and okay. i got to go get her and her? feed her. So uh, we got to stop this recording soon. Sure. So are you feeling a little anxious because you're uh, needing some understanding that your baby's going to be up any moment now? Actually, I am. Yeah. Because I'm staring at the I'm staring at the staring. time a lot. Exactly. So yeah. now that I connect with that, I'm clear about that. Um, I felt understood. Like I feel like you understand me now. Right. And that we are going to wow. find a better solution, solution to this now that you understood this. Right. Because yeah. if I didn't understand you first, and I told you uh, whatever, but you feel that connection. You can viscerally feel when I said the word because you're needing yeah. understanding that Ava might be up. Yeah, I, f I feel that you're more aware and that you're going to be considerate of my time now. Yes. Versus if you were to say, oh, okay. Yeah, you said those words. Yeah, I feel like you're going to be more understanding of what I need. Yes. Well, uh, now I translate street talk. Hey, uh, yo, sis. Um, kind of like, are you feeling worried? You Like your daughter might get up anytime soon and you just want me to know that? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. But just the, the, are you feeling this because you're needing this? Sometimes people uh -huh. will not connect to those words because people don't have a vocabulary yeah. of humans in need. So when you say those words, they, they feel something weird because it's just unfamiliar. So it's like learning a dance. When you first learn to dance, um, you're going to be unfamiliar with the steps. It'll feel clumsy. And after a while, it'll feel a little smoother. Step one, when you need to self-empathize, are you telling the other person how you feel? Or do you just think about it in your head? And then step yeah. two is when you vocalize. Yeah. You generally, you think it in your head. Because usually when people okay. are in conflict, they don't give a crap about how you feel and what you need. It's just they're yeah. in their own space, generally, when okay. you're really heated. Okay. So do that for yourself and then connect to what they're needing. If you really need to feel safe, say, hey, I need to use the restroom. Take a bathroom break. Uh, or go for a walk. What about step three? Step three, when you make a clear request, uh, a doable action for the other person, what's the script for that? really don't know how Marshall Rosenberg does in his book. Generally, what I practice in my groups is just steps one and two. I feel like within okay. one and two, that's so challenging and difficult already. Usually, once one and two are complete, three is a piece of cake. As long as it's clear, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a script, but you just want to be clear. You can't say, you know, well, you could say, 
hey, just be more confident, okay? Or you could give us a very clear request, hey, when you go out with me next time, will you please wear your nice shirt? So it's a clear request. Okay. Um, just make okay. it clear. Again, when one and two is complete, three is usually very easy. Because when two people feel understood, they feel connected, requests yeah. will be met much, much easier. I want to talk about depression now. Okay. Earlier, we talked about how you were in a depressed state while you were attending college. Mm -hmm. uh, I kind of want to dive into that. Um, why? Why were you in a depressed state to where it caused you to not finish college? Uh, the surface cause, I would say, was, oh, my parents were fighting a lot. I couldn't get away from soon enough. This is happening during the transition between my high school and college years. And it's a big transition. And I, I took off because I was trying to avoid that scenario. And for me, like, again, I really desire peace. So I just took the first school that would pay for my school. UT paid for my school. It's a no-brainer. And it was an awesome away. So I left. People like to blame things on their parents, and I do too. But I now I want to clearly take responsibility for my part. And that was when I made the choice of leaving to go towards a relationship, college, it's a four-year relationship. It's a commitment. Most relationships don't last when you, we run away from some emotional state into the hands of another. We do better when we mm -hmm. go there towards hoping to build something positive instead of running away. And that was a big theme yeah. of my life. And... So, yes, school was part of the depression. It was me being in a place uh, more so because I was running away from a situation and not so much, oh, I want to get a degree in this or, oh, I want to go mm -hmm. to explore. And so mm -hmm. it felt like I was committing to something that I didn't want to do. When I hear depression, mm. I marry that or I connect that with the words unhappy and lonely. Do you remember mm. feeling that way too? For me, a lonely it was more about maybe support. Like yeah. sometimes I, I wished um, maybe my parents would call and maybe they were and I didn't even remember. Um, or I lost the support of my um, siblings at home. You know, I'm used to having a lot of siblings. I remember maybe, calling you a lot and you wouldn't pick up the phone. We yeah. were trying to get a hold of you a lot. Oh, that was probably he, why I was depressed. Yeah. And it's like, who cares? You know, you're not going to pick up the phone when you're depressed. You know, once yeah. it's hard to, to, to talk in that state. During yeah. that time in college, did you know that you were depressed or were you trying to figure things out? And was it only in hindsight did, that you realized that you were depressed? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know if I knew. I do know I took action on it because uh, in the last year or maybe the year before, my, maybe it was my sophomore year, I left my junior year. I went to the psychologist, it was paid for. Why pay for a service you're not going to use? So I you went there. Also, I wanted to know if I honestly thought I was, well, at the time I thought I was bipolar because I was mm -hmm. really happy, felt really happy some days and feel sad. Or maybe I just watched that somewhere in Gerardo and I thought, hey, that might be me, I want to try that. <laughs> so I told the psychiatrist, do you think I'm bipolar? And he was talking to me, said, I was hoping he would give me medication for bipolar so I could feel normal or happy. Yeah. And he said, Were no, you just like desperate for some Desperate kind for of answers. Fix? Yeah, desperate yeah. for, yeah, I was at the, my wits. You know, I didn't know back then that, oh, I could connect with my siblings. I could maybe get some understanding to feel heard and understood and, and really not feel lonely about 
oh, I'm the only son that probably won't graduate school. So much pressure. And maybe I, mm-hmm. my need for authenticity won out over my need for acceptance. And in a way, I'm so proud of myself for choosing that because I felt like maybe that was one of the first times that I stood up for myself, you know, that I said, no, I'm going to choose me. (laughs) And I no longer want to live and just please what I think, what I thought my parents wanted, and I didn't even ask them, but I just assumed that they wanted me to, you know, finish school, have a career, get married, and all the things that I just, it wasn't who I am, you know? And uh, I, I... <laughs> Podcast goal! Is this acting or is this real cry? I've never seen you cry like this before. I'm crying too. What the fuck? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm so happy I'm able to express because I don't know if I ever even said this out loud, but as I'm able to connect those feelings now, I realize, man, maybe... um, 20-year-old something, Dal really needed a lot of understanding and acceptance. Because he maybe didn't feel accepted. That's really hard. It's kind of like coming out, like some sons come out gay. Uh-huh. For me, it was coming out, no, I can't see myself working a career and getting married. It's, or, you know, it just seems so forward to who I was. Yeah. I feel so hurt today. You've oh. been practicing your NBC because I feel so <laughs> understood right now. I haven't felt this deeply understood in a long time. Thank you. How, how are you feeling right now? Uh, I feel really f- fulfilled. Like being able to express with you all this pent up emotion is really fulfilling. And uh, I feel, I feel um, my needs to be heard or met and yeah. to express and to celebrate, you know. Yeah. Uh, at a young age, I made a choice for myself that really affected how I live now. And, you know, yes, I have struggles and like um, anyone, but I'm also... Everyone has struggles, yeah. I'm also really happy with the struggles I do have because I've chosen them. And um, I know that each choice has its cost and I'm willing to pay the costs of the choices I make and I'm willing to adjust along the way. I'm very happy that you stood up for yourself that you did something about it mm. and that you seeked help you know nowadays what's right. happening in the world yeah, yeah. people don't know how to seek help or where to seek help and i'm glad you found that psychiatrist at yes. school right yeah um, can we continue quickly i just want to finish that story uh, by yeah, saying that yeah. i was upset the psychiatrist says no you don't have bipolar you might just be needing some understanding and and some uh-huh. hearing and he threw me into a group who was going through different things, but they all experienced depression. And now I host uh-huh. groups like that um, every week. It's the same thing. It's like a support circle of just yeah. sharing what it is that you're going through. And uh, I felt immensely better just knowing, maybe part of it is just knowing that other people are having it hard, that not everyone's happy in college, you know, was mm-hmm. really refreshing for me. And it gave me a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And, 
gave me a lot of connection. And um, yeah, I felt a lot better after going to that. That's good. Yeah. That's awesome, you know. Thanks for sharing that. I know we were pretty open with each other for the most part, but I, I've never seen you cry like that before. Oh, and wow. it felt good for you to just open up and feel comfortable speaking yeah. to me about that. I think all of us at some point has felt some sort of depression, right? Like even even when you came over to visit me in San Francisco, I was, <laughs> when I had Ava, uh, I, I thought it was gonna be easy, not easy having a baby, but I thought that I can do this. You know, babies, it's just kind of like a Tamagotchi baby, right? You just gotta clean its diaper, feed it and whatever, let it sleep and just have a routine and whatnot. And yeah. I thought I could do it, but um, I think what prevented me from doing as well as I thought it could be was I was not kind to myself and um, being sleep deprived as well. And um, I, I remember like when Ava was like maybe two months old, maybe three months old, several days I was feeling, oh, I can't do this anymore. And I'm gonna fail as a mom because I feel like I, I, I couldn't take it anymore. I, I just need a break. I didn't know who to ask or who to call. And I thought about you. I was like, hey, any chance you could come visit me? I just, I didn't really need help. I didn't really need someone to change diapers or feed the baby or whatnot. I just need companionship. I needed someone to just be there with me. Like, you didn't have to talk to me. You just physically be there. Um, and Kevin was there as much as possible, but he had to go back to work. And that's why I reached out to you too. Um, I just want to say thank you. Uh, fuck, am I going to cry today? Oh yeah, baby, let it go. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I just want to say thank you because that meant a lot. And, and you coming over and I remember you, when you rang the doorbell, I opened the door and the first thing I just wanted to give you a hug because I, I, I just liked that you were there for me. And you allowed me to just spill it all out, spill out all my feelings. You just listened and, you know, um, nodded your head and had no judgment. So just want to say thank you for that. Thank you. I'm going to blow my nose. Um, you're, uh, this is how we receive uh, uh, thank yous in NVC. We uh, guess the mm -hmm. person's needs. Maybe uh, you wanted to let me know, express your appreciation. And I heard a lot of appreciation from you. Uh, I met my need for appreciation, connection. I got a chance to contribute to you, but also I was really celebrating my freedom. I was like, I'm hosting people on Airbnb and I can just leave whenever I want because they're so sustaining. <laughs> they can take care of themselves for a week. And uh, Yeah, if you weren't in a corporate job, you probably wouldn't yeah, be able to do and that. And so uh, I was able to kind of maybe celebrate that freedom too. So I was really uh, excited. And to be around this little doughy gloob of lard that you can hold around and try try to like bottle My baby feed. Is not lard, okay. <laughs> try to learn how to bottle feed, how to bathe, change diapers. It was fun. It was like a nanny uh, 101. Like I was going to university of life and like now I'm so excited to just keep learning and growing as a person. And when an opportunity like that came up for me to, yeah, it was challenging. Like being with a baby for a week, it's not easy, but like I was so happy <laughs> to be there because I knew for me it was meeting my need for growth to learn new skills and to like do something that was really out of my comfort zone. It was, it was really fun for me too. So thank thank you for uh, having, uh, giving me that opportunity. Oh, of course. Therapy helps. 
I've been going to therapy. Um, I graduated to once every other week now. I used to go every week, but that has uh, also helped for me to connect with my feelings and just allow the feelings to happen and not try to fight the feelings. Mm. And uh, feelings are beautiful to have. Yeah. All right, lightning round. You got to answer fast. What was your very first job? Catfish Cove. How old were you? 14. What did you want to be when you grew up? A lifesaver. What do you mean a lifesaver? Okay, uh, so I want to be a fireman. I want to be a fireman because I saw fireman fi fire, uh, fire drills going through the house and then I was like, oh cool, they're saving someone's life. So I too wanted to save someone's life at some point. And when I got older, I realized, oh, firefighter, you have to like work like 16 hours straight. Like what, who the hell would want to do that? Uh, we already talked about this. What college did you go to and what was your major? I went to a college way bigger than I needed to go, UT Austin. I was in the major, had no reason to be in business administration. Were you ever considered as a smart kid in class? I was considered different. How would you describe yourself in terms of your race, ethnicity, gender, generation? You can just basically profile yourself because uh, there will be single women listening to this podcast too. So add whatever you want. Oh, wow. Um, I am uh, 40 years old, 40 years young, 40 years not old, but not young, but getting older. <laughs> Answer the straight questions. It's lightning round. Asian, 40, uh, 5'9", 160 pounds. Uh, I'm slender, half Vietnamese. How are you half Vietnamese? My father's Vietnamese. That's half. My mother's Vietnamese. <laughs> but if I say half, people will find me more interesting. Uh, what's your zodiac sign? Just Pisces. in case. Any late. Okay. All right. Ladies, he's a Pisces. What do or did your parents do for work? My father was a woodworker and my mother was a, a seamstress. And then she had her own yes. restaurant. Yes, then she had her own restaurant. I forget, mom had three careers. She, my mother also uh, sold missiles, I think, for the US government, or made missiles. Not missiles, she, she did do? something with. She did something for with, uh, a defense uh, company. Yeah. What did mom and dad want you to be? I think my dad just wanted me to be successful and my mother wanted me to be a priest. <laughs> if money wasn't an issue and you could be anything you wanted to be, what would you be? Uh, a, a, a richer version of me. How many hours of sleep do you get a day? Uh, six at night and another hour in the middle of the day, so seven total. So you do take naps? One, one hour nap. How many times do you shower in a week? That's ladies, not, that's enough. Unfair question, ladies. <laughs> that's enough, ladies. Unfair question, ladies, because, excuse me, my bathing habits are of no one else's consequence. What do you tell mom when she asks you, when are you getting married? When you find me a wife. Ooh. Mom, hello, slacker. How many rows of toilet paper do you currently have? Eight. Do you put the toilet paper over or under? Uh, closer to where you can reach it, so over, right? I don't know why I'm asking you all hygiene questions, hygienic questions. Um, would you pay $15 for a salad? No, not right now. Do you, not right now? Maybe when I got some money. <laughs> that is a rough right now. <laughs> Girl, you're getting the dollar side of McDonald's, okay, ladies? You <laughs> How many glasses of water do you drink in a day? One, two, three, four, let's go with 10. Uh, do you do sock, shoe, sock, shoe, or sock, sock, shoe, shoe? Oh, that was a sock for to repeat. I don't even know what you said. What's the best city to live in? Your own happiness. Think about that. <laughs> Think about that. The city of life.
Let's end it with career advice. What advice would you give someone who doesn't want a traditional career and who would be interested in living a more bohemian lifestyle like you?、Uh, my first thing would to encourage、uh, anyone, not just someone who wants to live like me, be really clear about your needs. What exactly do you, in particular, really need? Like some of the two or three most important values you have, and then figure out different ways you can get those needs met. For me, it's freedom. Autonomy,、um, and I'll add freedom as a second of the three because it's how important、uh-huh. it is for me. So, figure out different ways you can feel free in your job.、Um, so, figure out those needs. And then, if you want to live a more bohemian life, if, if you have a need for like, like、uh, really nice things, you probably don't want to live this way because you, you're, you're、uh-huh. going to be in debt soon. But、uh, if you can get your needs met、um, in different ways, you have to be resourceful to live the way I live. You know, you have to be flexible and figure out different ways and different ways to make income and not rely on one thing.、Uh, so, first, I would encourage people to get clear about what they need and be open to, you know, having different ways to get those needs met. What's your advice for、mm. someone who wants to build empathy for others? Practice. You know, a lot of this, just, you just hear the word need often and often, and I just repeat it over and over. And that's really just the theme it's connecting to your own need, the other person's、mm-hmm. need. Okay. And then making a request. Lastly, any books, articles, resources you recommend? I know you talked about、uh, NVC with Marshall Rosenberg. Yes, Marshall Rosenberg, Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. And then I'm not the type of person that generally says, oh, just read one book like the Bible and you just, oh, that's all you need and you join my、mm-hmm. church.、Um, but it's, even if you don't read his book, don't read his book. Just read any empathy book. It's the same thing, it's the same understanding、mm-hmm. of like getting clear about understanding what other person needs. And just practice. It's less about what、yeah. you read and more about what you do if you're going to get better. I think what you're doing is so important. Not enough people use empathy. Not enough people listen to each other. Not enough people feel understood or heard or safe. And I think a little bit more of empathy will help us all, especially with what's going on in this world right now. I think we could use a little bit more empathy, a little bit more human to human connection, and the ability to not be afraid to share feelings. I, I think a lot of times, especially for men, you grow up. Being taught to hold your feelings and not being able to connect with your feelings and suppress your feelings. And only women can have feelings. And I, I think you, as a male,、um, being able to practice NVC and teach others, both men and women, NVC, I think that's beautiful. You know? Again, like I said, ladies, I'm single.、Uh, you know where to find me. <laughs> Make sure, make sure you have very good pictures, headshots, whatever, because I'm going to put it on the website so people can check you out. Okay. Thank you. Okay, so that wraps the episode. Thank you so much for listening to the end. And I hope you were able to self reflect on some of your own values and needs. And also, if you were thinking about someone during this episode, Perhaps someone who you haven't talked to in a while and who you care deeply about. I hope you find the courage to reach out to them. And even if it's just to say hello and how are you. Until next time, see you later.
Bye.